Buongiorno tutti, or I should say buon pomeriggio. Do you remember what that means, Tom? Um, nope. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Sorry. <laughs> We're recording during a beautiful, sunny, warm afternoon here in little Rhode Island. So welcome back to Kimberly's Italy. My name is Kimberly Holcomb, and I'm here with Tommaso. Ciao, Belladonna. Ciao. He is my co-host here on the podcast and my co-host in life. Ooh. Isn't that cute? Ooh, that's very cute. <laughs> okay, what episode number are we on? 49. Dio mio! That's exciting. Next week we'll have a little party. What's 49 in Italian? 49. 49. See, and next week will be 50. 50. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we left you off on the Amalfi Coast with the village of Positano, and we discussed the Sentiero della Dei, the Path of the Gods walk. So we're picking right back up with the village and villages right to the south of Positano. First up is a place called Priano, P-R-A-I-A-N-O. It's a very quiet old fishing village and it's like the perfect location for people that want to stay in a more tranquilo place, low-key, quiet, yet there's enough there in terms of a few restaurants, a few little shops, but you can get a very nice rental house or there's a few Airbnbs. Some of them have stellar views of the Tyranian Sea. So it's a good choice. However, the only drawback to Priano is that there is no boat dock. So you have to rely on other transportation. You either rent a car, which is uh, off-putting to a lot of people <laughs> as we've described before, or you take the bus, which is normally very crowded, unreliable because they're always crowded. They don't come when they actually say they will on the little stand outside the Amalfi Coast Road where you wait for it due to the traffic on the Amalfi Coast Road. Or you could actually hire a private driver. If you have it in your budget to do that, then staying in a place like Priano is perfect. You can be picked up, dropped off. And I, I say this from experience with our friends from our island here. They they went to Priano in 2018, took their two daughters. They rented a house there because they wanted to be off the beaten track. They took the bus once. <laughs> Finita, <laughs> that was the last time. So they hired a private driver and it was reasonable enough and they had a fantastic time. But the little village of Priano is beautiful and has a dramatic geography, has this little inlet between the ravine, between two cliffs that were split years ago. And this teeny little spit of a beach is down there filled with Italians because as I've mentioned, you know how they love to swim. Yeah, They will go anywhere to swim, to hang out in the sun, to take sun, correct? To take sun. Yes. I'm taking sun. Yes. They love it. So, for visitors, if you want to have a beautiful dip in the Tyranian Sea, then you can go right there in Priano. Because I will say, unless you're at a resort that has access to the beach, that they have to build steps down these steep cliffs and then a platform to swim into the sea. So that's really your only option unless you're in the village of 
Positano or Amalfi that has public beaches, but then you pay for that and you're jammed in. So a place like Praiano with this teeny little beach, that's a that's a gem. Maybe a good option. It is indeed. The other thing that Praiano has is the Cole Serra. And those are the stone steps that start in the village and go vertically, straight up, and eventually meet with the Path of the Gods hike that we discussed last episode. And the same family that we just talked about that stayed in Priano, they did it. <laughs> and Didi said, you, you go about 10 steps and they're all irregular size and height. You know, There's distance. no rhythm. You can't get a rhythm. No. <laughs> You'd go about 10 steps and then stop and go. <gasps> but everyone else was too. So it was kind of entertaining. So they did it and they wouldn't do it again. They should have started in Bomerano like we did. We took the bus to the furthest south side and started and worked our way north. But anyway, that is an option for you alpiners and, you know, fitness freaks that want to hike straight up on irregular steps. And also in Priano, another gem is the Fiordo di Ferrore. I have a very hard time pronouncing that, and I'm not even going to try it again. <laughs> and if you have a hard time... I am not going to come. I won't even ask you to try. Yeah, the Fiordo. <laughs> no, Fiordo's easy. Yeah, it's the second I'm, word. I'm not going any farther than Fiordo. <laughs> and clearly, anyone can figure that out. Fiordo means fjord, like in the clear, like, clearly. Like the fjords, like the Scandinavian yes. countries. Exactly. Norway, mostly. Exactly. But the second word that I don't want to pronounce again means fury. So some year... Thousands of years ago, the storm gods decided they were going to just have a fury. (laughs) Somebody was ticked off. Someone was upset and split that cliff in two. Completely big, wide cliff split. So what did the Italians do in order to build this Amalfi Coast Road? They built the most beautiful bridge you have ever seen. And down below... From below, where you can actually hike down there. As you look up at the arched bridge, it is Roman aqueduct-like. It's absolutely stunning. And finally, in Praiano is the Torre a Mare, a medieval tower. Do you want to try that word, Tom? Torre a Mare. <laughs> you had a very high pitch there. Torre Amare. No, I can't roll my R's. No, I'm going to try. You're just, you're just throwing that at me just to embarrass me on the show. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Mi dispiace. <laughs> anyway, Torre Amare is a medieval tower that was built right on the edge of the cliff, like a promontory. And it was built, as most towers were, to protect them from invaders, pirates, you know, the usual suspects. The usual suspects. Back in the day. Yeah. You cannot reach this torre from the water, but you can walk to it. It's worth the view. And I did it my first trip there many, many years ago. And I remember the scent of the salt air. For some reason, that hit me more than the fact I was standing on a medieval tower. I don't know why. But so that's Priano. The next little village down the way is called Conca de Marini. Conca means basin. And it's a teeny place filled with only a few hundred inhabitants at most. And their houses that they built literally 
cling to the cliffs. Above this teeny little basin, they started building a few houses. And if they weren't painted a different color, if they had been the color of the stone of the cliff, you wouldn't even notice. But let's say you're in the top floor of your house on one of these cliff houses and you dropped something out your window, gone. It's straight down. It's very cool to look at, I will say. And Conca di Marini is famous for two things, primarily the Emerald Grotto, which in Italian is pronounced Grotto dello Smeraldo. And do you remember Tommaso from Costa Smeraldo? Si. In Sardinia? Si. It means the Emerald Coast. The Emerald Coast. And in this case, it's an Emerald Grotto. And what I find amazing is that it was only discovered in the early 1930s by a fisherman who just saw this dark little shadow and thought, oh, I'm going to row in there. I mean, it's been there for thousands of years and no one knew until less than 100 years ago. Wow. I know. But when you go in, a little guy rows you in. He doesn't necessarily sing like they do in the Blue Grotto in Capri. But when the sun hits that water, it is truly an emerald bluish green. It's amazing. The second famous, no, I should call it the second claim to fame that Conca di Marini has is a pastry. It's called Sofiatella Santa Rosa. That is also a hard word. Sofiatella there's an F and a G and all these other consonants in there. If it's good, I'll learn how to say it. <laughs> oh, you'd like it. I don't I don't I'll care for it at all because it's so sweet. You uh, would love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was it was uh, invented by these Dominican nuns in the 1700s, and they created a recipe to try to calm the ailing stomach of their mother superior at Santa Rosa Convent. So they made a concoction from everything that was left over. Bread dough, they added sugar, dried fruit, semolina. And the story goes that one nun added a bunch of limoncello. So they used this to calm the nun down? The mother superior had some GI issues (laughs) and they made this and it worked. I could have probably used it in grammar school. (laughs) <laughs> oh, on your teachers? Yes, the nuns, the, oh, sisters, of Notre, the sisters of Notre Dame. <laughs> yelling at me, probably swearing at me in French. Well, this is an Italian recipe with limoncello. Well, they didn't have that. Well, France. we would have, would have figured it out. <laughs> anyway, it is so famous that they have a festival every August for the... I can't even say it. Sofia Atella... Santa Rosa. And I absolutely love that Italians have festivals for food. Remember our episode during the epic road trip on Pienza? Yes. They have that festival for pecorino cheese. There is no reason not to have a festival every day (laughs) for food. For food. (laughs) And in Italy, they do that and a load of Mm -hmm. religious festivals. Mm -hmm. So... We should pick up on that trait over here in the United States. Anyway, one last thing about the nuns at Santa Rosa. They did so much for the Amalfi Coast. They helped to fund an aqueduct for the inhabitants of the municipality. They created natural remedies from their herb gardens and actually started 
an apothecary, maybe the first down in Amalfi Coast area, all kinds of good deeds these nuns did. So that is Conca de Marini. Next up, the village of Amalfi. And I absolutely love Amalfi, but it too can be very crowded. So if you are able to go off season, do so. But just like Positano, Amalfi has several boat docks, which is the easiest way to get from village to village. And that's the reason to stay there. You can hop on a small boat to go to a small village. You can get on a large boat to go to Capri or Salerno or Napoli. So it's a great place to base yourself. And it's so beautiful, like Positano, so it's crowded. But if you find the right accommodation off the beaten path, you can be very, very happy in the summer months. So let me describe Amalfi. And as I mentioned in our last episode, the colors of the Amalfi Coast and the beauty of its geography and the landscape just make me happy. It's like when someone sees a rainbow, you get happy. When someone sees the Amalfi Coast, all these villages, it makes you happy. And the village of Amalfi also has colorful buildings, but less so than Positano. Positano has those deep reds and those corals and all kinds of colors dotting the hills, ravines on both sides. Amalfi is more of, well, lemon yellow. Yellow is everywhere. I'm pretty happy after the Sofia Latella Santa Rosa. (laughs) You don't care about the colors. No. (laughs) Sofia Latella Santa Rosa. Si, cierto. Other than the lemon yellow color everywhere, there's a subtle pink, subtle coral pink, I should say, and this light kind of orange and terracotta mixed, and finally, an off-white color. They never have a screaming white because that sun is too intense. So if you combine these colors with the terracotta roofs on basically every building, the green vegetation on the mountains, the cerulean blue of the sea, it is the perfect pleasing visual combo. Pleasing is like too small of a word. It's the perfect, amazing visual color combo. Okay. All right. I'll take your word for it. Okay. So the layout of Amalfi is that the village is built from the Amalfi Coast Drive in and in and up toward the ravine of the mountain. On the water side of the Amalfi Coast Drive is like an outcrop of the natural shape of the, the cliffs where they made a piazza of sorts. And in the day, it was probably where you'd I don't know, leave your horses or something, but now it's basically like a bus depot. So it's very busy. It's a major bus stop, the ones that are always crowded, as I mentioned. Right. And so the buses stop there, they wait for their next route, and it's like a holding spot. So the if the bus drivers have a hour break or something, they're off having a couple espressos, couple smokes, a, you know, brioche, maybe a limoncello, who knows. So it's a busy, loud place. And then there's the Amalfi Coast Drive. And on the other side is the village. So you have to get from where you're dropped off, either by a driver or the bus, or if you were to drive your own car, you have to find parking. And you start in that busy little place 
bus piazza and cross the street. But luckily, there is a stoplight there. And luckily, again, most of the drivers pay attention to it because it's your only access into the village. So you walk in. It, and if you don't pay attention to the light, you're taking your life in your hands. It's not optional. <laughs> no, people do abide abide by the stoplight, thank goodness. Okay, so I want to paint the picture of the first time I went to, to Amalfi, and it was many, many years ago, as I mentioned in a previous episode. I was there on a photo shoot, and the driver dropped us off in what is the now bus piazza, because the village is basically car free. So the models, my assistant, my client and myself, we were all walking and carrying our luggage because keep in mind, you know, rolling luggage wasn't really that, you know, common in those days. And I had these two really heavy camera bags. They didn't even make like backpack camera bags in those days. So I'm dragging the camera bag. Somehow I have my luggage and Everyone was dragging their luggage and we walked into this piazza of the main drama. It takes less than a minute from when you enter the village and you just feel it peripherally. You see it, you feel it and you're compelled and you look up to the right and there is the drama on top of this huge set of stone steps. And literally there were like eight or nine of us literally we all stopped in our tracks. We put our luggage down and just stared at this amazing facade that you did not expect to be in this village. Right. It was that expression stopped in your tracks may be overused, but it's true. We, all of us, whether they liked architecture or not, we were all from different countries. Every single one of us was blown away by the Stromo. And it's the second time at that point in my life, it was only the second time that happened to me. And the first time was in Firenze. You did the same thing in Florence. You've seen the pictures of, of the Duomo in Florence. Everyone has, but Tom took architecture and I had art history classes. So we all knew what to expect, but you couldn't see it from afar. Right. So all of a sudden, when you turn the little corner of the little side street and boom, there it is. Same thing, Right. But here in Amalfi, I had never seen a picture of the Duomo. So I didn't know what to expect. I had no idea it would be so, you know, imposing and amazing. And there it was. And the reason it's so incredible is because of the mixture of all these architectural influences. So it's not what you expected in this little pastel colored village. Up high was this incredible church with like Arab Norman influence, Byzantine, Gothic, Baroque, and even Moorish. Wow. It was just this huge combination Sounds of- like a closet of styles. Right. It's just not what you expected. And they have exterior gold guild on the exterior, columns, arches, geometric designs out of the different colored stone and marble. It was a complete architectural overdose, hmm. but in an amazing way. Okay. So one day you will see it and you will do the same thing. I think every single person, whether you care for architecture or not. And I wasn't even like an official church, devoted church lady <laughs> yeah, yet. You weren't church no, lady. <laughs> no, but maybe this, 
maybe that was the moment 30 years ago that did it for me. Ding. And I started my career then. Church lady. <laughs> anyway, just a quick history. The church dates back to the ninth century, but there were many additions and after the fact, and the current facade was built only in 1891 with striped marble and stone and these details that aren't commonly found on sacred or religious buildings, nor is this facade typical from 1891 at all. So they rebuilt the earlier facade that had been there and collapsed, oops, but added the other different architectural influences that I just mentioned. So it's just, it's amazing to look at. And the other impressive aspect of the Duomo is the staircase. 62 steps lead up to this monumental entry. Wow. And think of the Spanish steps. Do you remember how many there were? 155. Close, 135. Ah. Uh, so here we are. Here we are with just a church. Right. Think of any other massive Duomo or the Notre Dame or anything. There's no set of 62 steps up to it. So right. it's even more imposing. And they built it up there like they built the towers and everything else to keep away from the bad guys. Make it hard to get there. Mm -hmm. So anyway. Particularly when dragging luggage. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so when, when I was last there in 2019, I was with a group of eight people and we were having the best time. But all of a sudden one day it started drizzling rain. So I said, this would be a good time to visit the Duomo to anyone that would like to go. It's stunning inside the crypts down below. And everyone said, sure, let's go. So, and none of them were, you know, church fans. So we got there. We walked from our idyllic, sweet little hotel that we stayed in. And we got into the Piazza del Duomo. And the first thing we see was the doors at the top open. And six men were carrying a casket down the steps. Keep in mind, it was raining, wet, slippery stone steps. So all the people that were going to visit the church, I mean, everyone that attended the funeral was still inside. So all these people that were going up to visit the church just went off to either side, the right or left side of the staircase. And these men walked gingerly down. You could see the concentration in their face. And all the people on the side were just staring like, Wow. And then I started thinking about it. Probably every single person that lives in Amalfi has been to a funeral there, been to a wedding there. When it's raining or not, they're probably used to it. But who would want to screw that up on your friend's funeral day? So they were concentrating. And, and it was all I remember is hearing the church bells. And other than that was silent. And everyone's just staring at these men carrying their relative or their friend down. And all of a sudden I looked to the right at the tourists lined up, quiet, respectful. And there was a couple in the middle of a staircase. They were clearly American from their clothes. I could just tell. And right when the casket came, even with them on the step, they were standing, the gentleman took his hat off and crossed it over his chest. Very respectful. I know it was such a, Beautiful moment. Manners. Right? So we went in and every single 
person on my trip absolutely loved it. So I highly, highly recommend visiting the church, the crypts down below, the cloister garden with palm trees, all of it. It really is a gem. It's like a, it's like a museum and, but not filled with art, just filled with history and art also, but you know, it is just awesome. So the village of Amalfi is small enough that you can walk every single little salita, the sidewalks. Some of them, as I've mentioned in many episodes, pass right next to someone's bedroom, living room. They're just the old medieval pathways and they're used to it. That's how they get around. They don't mind tourists doing it. doesn't bother them at all. So the deeper you go into Amalfi and the higher you go, you'll see amazing history of life and the houses they live in and think that's why these women's legs and calves are so muscular. They're walking (laughs) up and down these hills with their bottles of limoncello and, you know, all everything they need. There are no driving streets whatsoever. You couldn't even get an Ape or a Vespa up these streets. Wow. Just that's really, really small steps. Yes. It is awesome. So the old timers live up there and it's beautiful to see. So the last trip in 2019, I walked up on my own early one morning, past all these people's homes to the cemetery. And you know, I love cemeteries too. Lots of sculptures, lots of art, but this cemetery, they have a very nice view for eternity. And on top of the cemetery is another tower, Torre dello Zero. And this one's not so old. It's only 1480. Built on... (laughs) Youngster. (laughs) Yep. Built on the ruins... rookie of the neighborhood. Right? Built on the ruins of another tower from the 1100s. And you can follow a path from the cemetery up to this tower. And there are also remains of a previous foundation from the Middle Ages... And there's this awesome, mysterious tale about this Torre dello Zero. Supposedly, the Duchess of Amalfi was murdered up there for a scandalous affair she had with the butler. Ooh. Mm Mm-hmm. But imagine whoever, it was probably her husband that figured out to have her murdered, but that took a lot of, like, organization. That's some challenging logistics to, to murder her up on top of the tower. What year was that? Um, put me on the spot. I don't remember. 1200. Well, you know, they should, have, they should have had the murder thing down back then. Oh. <laughs> there weren't, there weren't things called courts, you know. Oh, have... right. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was mad. She yeah. was, she was dead. Right. Anyway, before I get into the cuisine of Amalfi, I want to mention my absolute favorite place in the entire village or maybe the Amalfi coast It's a paper store called La Scuderia del Duca, which translates to the Duke's stable. And if it indeed was a stable for the Duke, it was a very nice one. And I mentioned also previously how Amalfi was the first place in Italy to produce paper. But, you know, like Egypt, China, Spain and Portugal, I think, all made paper before Italy. But when it did arrive, it started in Amalfi because... The intense streams of water running down the mountain of these cliffs, the Amalfi Cliffs, allowed for the movement of paper-making machines to produce this handmade paper. 
and paper was later made in other maritime republics like Venice, Pisa, Genoa, but Amalfi was the first. And this paper store, pardon my phrase here or lack of elegant language, but it will suck you in from the first step inside the doors. It is like a museum, has marble busts everywhere, paintings, framed prints, chandeliers and those amazing Florentine type mirrors. It's so beautiful. And of course, paper, paper, paper everywhere. Envelopes, sheets of paper, diaries, cards, drawing paper, you name it. And it's thick and it's textured and it's the smell is amazing. And it's just unlike any paper we see here. It's not a place where you're going to buy post-it notes. No, it's not. No, <laughs> no it's not. Good point. <laughs> or or the a, a ream of la- laser paper from Staples. Yes, exactly. No, this no. is homemade, old school, just incredible. What so, would you use the paper that you've got there for? I bought tons of it my last trip. I wrote handmade notes. I wrote thank you notes, birthday notes. Yes, I used the whole thing and I'm going back to get some more. Oh, okay. And you can get, you know, the embossed um, stamps there. It's just, it's stunning. It's worth a visit for anyone that appreciates anything handmade because everything jammed into this little shop is a feast for the eyes. And it's a joy to see because, as you know, Tommaso, there are less and less of these places all over America. All over America, yes. And we don't have a single one like this. It's one of the, the, the things I really enjoyed, that store we went to in Rome. Yes. Oh, Dio mio. <sighs> and Milan, like the art store. Okay. Yep. I digress. We again. digress. Yes. <laughs> okay. Now the cuisine. We have to finish up. The cuisine. Lemons, lemons, lemons. Limone, limone, limone. Seafood. Fish. All types of pasta with shrimp, redfish, sea urchins, octopus, you name it. And this will freak you out, Tommaso. Rule number one, no Parmigiano. What? No Parmigiano in Amalfi. None. If On if, pasta. If Parmesan is a vice, I'm going to jail. <laughs> because I just can't. They don't even serve it. They don't. Have, well, you have to bring your own then. That would be rude. I mean, they would serve it with like, um, you know, salamis and right. and that kind of charcuterie board. But on a pasta, no. Absolutely well, no. I'm reassessing my desire to go to Oh, Malfi. no, you'll love it. You can go a week without and then you overdose when we arrive in Tuscany or somewhere else. Okay. Anyway, an Amalfi staple is called Cuopo. Frito. It is fried seafood. It's almost like street food. They sell them from these little kind of carts outdoors and whatnot. Everything from the sea is in it. It's fried and it's put into paper and they shape the paper like an ice cream cone. I did not have one, right? So you hold it. Yes, yes. I did not have one because most of the stuff in there, I don't care for, (laughs) you know, like... Things you don't even know what it is, tentacles and all that kind of stuff, calamari, anchovies, like everything jammed into this paper cone. But everyone I was with on that trip got one and they serve it with this like wooden skewer, a narrow, a small, thin wooden skewer. 
and of course a huge slice of lemon. So you buy it on the street, you stand off to the side, you eat it, you eat it. I was taking them forever. I was like, bull. And then I watched their hands and the paper cone itself. The longer the fish was in there, the more grease came out of the paper and then was on their hand that was all over their face. <laughs> and they're like, delicioso. <laughs> they absolutely loved it. Another thing, the lemons everywhere, in your brioche in the morning, in your gelato in the afternoon, in your dessert at night, and of course, limoncello. Limoncello. Oh, you oh. can go to these lemon orchards and try their own limoncello. You can take a limoncello class, which is basically lemon and a lot of sugar. <laughs> but anyway. Like a limoncello tour. Yes, it is worth it. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely stunning. And the scent is amazing. And to tell you the truth, one of my favorite dinners was at a, in Amalfi, was at a pizzeria with an outdoor terrazzo. And we sat under a pergola that covered the entire terrazzo where they had apparently trained the lemon trees just like they train wisteria to grow over this pergola. So we sat under eating amazing pizza because we're so close to Napoli. So you're eating to die for a pizza under lemons with the smell, the scent of fresh lemons. It was incredible. I was so hoping you weren't going to say there was a lemon pizza or something. No. Because <laughs> we have all these, you know, variations in America. Oh, right. Like, California pizza like with ha pineapple. Hamburg pizza and pineapple. Ooh, that's bad. I just bad, really bad. like normal pizza. Napolitana pizza See, is the best. Okay, finally, the wine. Ooh la la, the wine. And my favorite description of the wine of the Amalfi Coast comes from a very famous sommelier who said, quote, it does not taste like any other wine in the world. And that's because all the grapes are indigenous to this terrain and they absorb the sea breeze, the volcanic soil, and the heat of the sun. That's pretty pretty serious statement. Sure. Unlike any other wine in the world. Well, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, look They're at proud. The, the difference in Tuscan reds and other Barolos from the north. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's it, a, certainly a distinction. It was delicious. We certainly tried a lot and loved it all. And I certainly will have to just go on a real tasting binge when I get there. Yes, you will. Yes. The most important variety of grape from Campania and Amalfi is the Alianco grape, like we had in Basilicata in Matera. Uh -huh. Remember that? Yep. And I think a little bit of Alianco is in Puglia also, maybe. But anyway, that is the primary grape in Campania. And the most well-known red wines are called Falerno. And this is another difficult word to pronounce, just like the furore. This is Tarassi. Two excellent red wines from Amalfi. The white wines, the most famous white wines from Amalfi Coast are Greco di Tufo and Fiano di Avellino. I, I, I'm really surprised that they actually have red wine there because everything is fish-based. Right, and, right. you know, lemon, you wouldn't And be... it's very hot, so most people prefer white, white wine. Right, yeah. That's why they invented limoncello well, and rosé. I guess they hang out, I guess they have the red, save the reds for the winter. November, November. December. <laughs> anyway, the white wines are very good, and I drank a lot of them because, just like you said, you're eating seafood right. with 
your pasta. So it seems appropriate. And even though I prefer red, I loved them. They're very, very good. So let me sum up my take on the village of Amalfi. I think there's good reason that it's the namesake for the Amalfi Coast. And I do know a lot of people that have traveled there and been overwhelmed by the crowds and therefore sadly didn't love it. And I can't blame them because I I had the same experience in 2019. We took the boat from Amalfi to Capri and I literally, and I brought these eight people and I didn't know how crowded it had become. And I literally almost cried when we were coming into the dock and saw all these other huge boats arrive at the same time and thousands and thousands of people descended on the island of Capri, which had been one of my most favorite places I'd ever been in my life. So I feel for the people that went to Amalfi in the July and August that it's most crowded, but you can do it if you know where to stay and what to do during the day. Like if it's that crowded, take one of the small local boats, go to a teeny little village, then go back to Amalfi or Positano. You start your walks early in the morning and late at night when everyone else is sleeping in. I think that's, I think that's one of the tricks of mm-hmm. a seasoned traveler is you're going to, you're going to have to deal with some crowds. Yes. And know where to sort of step back and yes. get your yes. get your bearings and right. have a quiet meal so you're not right. just overwhelmed by the mass. And I will say it's very crowded there right now. I had those two clients that just left the other day. I have more clients going in October and November, and I'm going to do just that for them. Plan, make dinner reservations at sweet little places off. The beaten path. Yes, and suggest where to go during the day. They'll love it. They'll absolutely love it because it makes you happy. As I have said (laughs) over and over, it just makes you happy. So we will carry on with this happiness in our next episode on the villages of Ravello, Cetara, and Pietri Sumare. And then you will have traveled the entire Amalfi Coast with us. Makes you want to go, doesn't it? Yes, it does. I mean, (laughs) even the places that that I've been to five times, I'll go a sixth time. I just want to go back. Who wouldn't? Well, we will. All right. So that's that, everyone. Oh, wait, before we go, we have to do a huge shout out to Katie WD, who left the longest review ever. It was a novel of a review. <laughs> but it was it awesome. It was wonderful. We really appreciate it. Everybody go read it. She just was so... Um, Enthusiastic. Yes. And sincere. Yes. So Katie WD, WD40, reminds me of... If, no. you, if you wrote that on your phone, that would have taken me about... Oh, that's what Tommaso said. He goes, read this review. If she wrote this on her phone, it must have taken like... All afternoon. It's been taking me about three and a half weeks. <laughs> I'm all thumbs. Anyway, grazie mille, KDWD. Okay, and grazie to tutti. Thank you very much, everyone. We appreciate it, especially the texts, emails, everything I get. So thank you very much. Ci sentiamo la settimana prossima. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.